This is Coda Radio, episode 170, for September 14th, 2015. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us now from the southeast coast or somewhere in that general area, it's the mysterious and yet present Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. <laughs> Hello, hello. I am in an undisclosed location with my uh, good friend Dick Cheney. Now, is this a is this a like a like a bat? Or I'm sorry, not a bat. That's funny. A duck hunting like uh, cab uh, cabin where like you go out and hunt ducks with Dick Cheney. And I mean, tell me, can you describe this? Because I really have no idea like the kind of surrounding area of where I am. Yeah. It's swamps. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Let's dig into that next week. Let's dig into that. It, it, let's. I kind of would like to actually take a minute next week and kind of figure out more about that. But it's good to have you back, Mr. Dominic. So it sounds like you got a microphone, but that's about it at this point. So you're still having delivery issues. Well, let's be fair. I have a microphone and an IKEA couch. Okay. Okay. So uh, what happened to all your stuff? Yeah, it never left New Jersey. So you're getting it soon, or like, how does that work exactly? So it turns out that my prediction of they definitely didn't do it till they had someone else down here, probably true. Um, oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. Supposedly, by the time we do another show, but I don't believe that. Well, uh, so we have a little catch-up to do since we weren't able to uh, make it happen last week since the, the situation was ongoing. So we wanted to do a couple of things. Um, this last week, the week we would have had an episode, was going to be the uh, a new iPhone 6S and iPad Pro launch. So what we want to do is not uh, necessarily get into like all of the Apple's doing this and all of you know this and that, but a couple of key pieces – of new interesting uh, technology that may apply to developers and how they have to change their apps. I want to talk about that. Also, I think there's some interesting uh, marketing games that Apple's playing with uh, the new 6S, one of its new big features. And it's, I think it shows how closely they're listening to rumors and podcasts and how I think they pivoted at the last second and changed something major in the new iPhone 6S. And I got a couple of clips to back me up. So I'm going to talk about that later on, Mr. Dominic, and see if I can convince you. And then we had some questions come into the show regarding development for the iPad Pro and also some great emails on freelance development and a couple other things that may lead to some interesting results for folks, perhaps a gig. So we have an interesting show coming up. Even for those of you who are not big into the Apple stuff, I think the nitty-gritty of what we're going to discuss should be interesting to you. Do you accept my challenge, Mr. Dominic? I accept it with aluminium and luscious rose gold. Right, okay, of course, of course. So um, super briefly, you guys are all aware that Apple announced a new A9-based iPhone 6 and 6S Plus. Uh, It's going to be available on September 25th, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Uh, And one of the major, major new features is 3D Touch. So I want to take this, instead of me describing it, let's play my favorite clip uh, from Johnny Ive right here. We introduced a whole new way to interact with technology. Tapping, swiping and pinching have forever changed the way we navigate and experience our digital world. 
Now, I want you to pay attention. He's about to name the, the new interface. And I want you to pay attention from a production standpoint how it sounds like maybe it was recorded separately. I'm just putting it out there, but just keep an ear out for it. Until now, these gestures have been defined by a singular plane in two-dimensional space. For iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, we're introducing an entirely new interaction and a whole new dimension to the way you experience your iPhone. It's made possible by a technology called 3D Touch. This is the next generation of multi-touch. For the first time, along with recognizing familiar gestures, iPhone also recognizes force. So it's called 3D Touch. Uh, but to me, I think it was called Force Touch at, at one point. And uh, I'll, this, I think, gives it all away right here. This is so, Craig. Of course, Force Touch or, or 3D Touch is in, integrated throughout the system. And you heard it there for a second, right? Listen Man. again. So, of course, Force Touch or, or 3D Touch uh, uh, is in. Uh, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you hear that? I think, I think, uh, because of the oh, I hope they don't just add Force Touch to the iPhone. That's going to be really lame. Because of all of that, I think Apple responded to that, which I think is so fascinating that the, that the richest tech yeah. company out there is is like tweaking at the last minute the names of their major products of their major platform, and now they've introduced a naming inc- inconsistency across. Their platform, which they've now come out later and said, "Well, look, uh, 3D Touch is more advanced Force Touch." So, so can I just just interject here real quick? Am I the only one who finds Johnny Ive like the best white noise to go to sleep? Oh man, I, I, I Johnny Ive, I just don't even, I can't, I can't even like the way they produce those those videos. Nobody, and I don't really care so much about what they're saying, although they they pick really good language too. But like the way that they get Johnny to match his cadence or the way they match the music, yes. they must be custom writing music to match his cadence. It's so incredible. And the way that they filter in them, like, I got to oh, listen to it again. Listen, just listen to that. We introduced a whole new way to interact with technology. <laughs> Tapping, swiping and pinching have forever changed the way we navigate and experience our digital world. Until now, these gestures have been defined by a singular plane in two-dimensional space. For iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, we're introducing an entirely new interaction and a whole new dimension to the way you experience your iPhone. It's made possible by a technology called 3D Touch. I just I think they do the best. Nobody in the business does it as well as them. From a production standpoint, I'm really impressed. But I think it's amazing the way that they must have pivoted at the last second. And you got to you got to figure maybe even Craig rehearsed a few uh, keynotes calling it Force Touch until the last minute. And, it is surprising uh, that they would be so easily, you know. I think what it is is I think each division now is ruled by an emperor. So Phil Schiller rules with an iron hand anything marketing, and he has full control over things like that. And Phil Schiller is definitely tuned into like the blogosphere and the Gruber areas, and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have like Ive, who has just unilateral decision over design, where he can continue to again over and over again to opt not to increase battery or thickness. And uh, just you know, continue to drive that and develop laptops with a single port. And then you got Cook, who who maintains rain over inventory and supply and chain. 
And it seems to me that – and you, you have uh, Craig who, who is uh, overseeing obviously the things that are maybe being implemented on iOS and macOS now. It, like these guys just like – I don't know. It's like they just go hog wild with this stuff. It seems, seems really unstable to me. It seems really kind of like uh, a major company could just change something like that on a dime like that is – I guess maybe one part good and kind of incredible and one part scary to me. Because All right, so so, so that's interesting. Um, you know, like like everybody else, I, th- I think even people who hate Apple definitely watch the releases, right? Or at mm-hmm. least they read about them later. Would you say that this was a bad release? Because you you no. kind of implied that you no. No, okay. I actually think I I got to tell you to be honest with you, the iPhone six plus does four K video with optical image stabilization. To have four K video with optical image stabilization in my phone is undeniably an extremely handy resource production tool. And it's not just that it's the only phone that does that, but then that combined with the other media production capabilities of it do genuinely make it a really good media production tool. And then on top of that, there's like lightning port accessories like made by uh, Zoom and other uh, audio manufacturers to hook up like professional-grade audio now to the iPhone. So you... But you, you, so you think they're divided just because of the personalities? You don't, you didn't see anything like that in the products. You're not making a statement of like. No, I think it comes together. I actually think it's, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting way to add okay. uh, contextual okay. navigation to applications and quick launch into like you know different things. I think it's not a bad idea. Um, I just think, uh, uh, I just think it's, I just think it's amazing. Like, I think it's just, I just think it's a very telling little detail that not a lot of people are talking about. And I think it has bigger ramifications. I don't think it's a huge thing. I think the iPhone 6S is honestly a pretty good product. I'm surprised that they didn't put a bigger battery in it. Uh, I'm pretty excited about 4K video. If it's, I mean, hopefully there's not any major limitations there. Uh, and I think also, what do you think about this Apple direct financing program? Did you see this? Where it's you can get I, like yeah, the I, essentially. I did see that you you get Apple Care Plus for like it's like an extra hundred and or not really actually because Apple Care Plus is really expensive. Yeah, if you so say you wanted to get the hundred and twenty eight gigabyte uh, iPhone six S, like you just want to go top dog plus, you know? I think is it, that what you're getting? I don't know. I think it works out to be like forty four to forty seven dollars a month, which is quite a bit, but that's actually less than you would pay in a carrier contract over a two year period for the same phone, and you get Apple Care Plus. So uh, it's a weird system. I don't know if I like it. I still think the better route to go is if you can afford it to buy the phone outright. Financing a phone for some reason to me feels risky. I guess if it has Apple Care Plus, maybe the risk is reduced a little bit, but I don't know. That's like a weird one I got to chew on for a little while. So I was curious. I, I mean, if you look at it from a standpoint of, geez, I almost end up buying one of these stupid things every year, and like almost every time I'm going to be able to say, well, geez, that camera upgrade almost justifies it alone. At least it has for the last couple upgrades. 4K video on a cell phone that actually is a good phone and is, has optical image stabilization could be a really big deal. Like Jupiter Broadcasting doesn't have any 4K video right now, and, and I'm, doing a lot, I'm shooting a lot more stuff outdoors right now. So that's an oh interesting. Oh my God! Do you hear him? He he's he's. When is the the? This is my point. This action show going to happen? No, this no no no. It's not. It's it's the optics. But this is my point. It's always going to be the optics. They really have. A, like, they really have some good engineering here, and so that's where the payment. You can almost see the payment plan working out. But again, I don't. So, I don't so, think so, the, so. My instinct is no. The Apple payment plan. So, so first of all, all of these payment plans are a ripoff, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like buying a used uh, Chevy Pinto. It's going to be crap no matter what you do. Uh, Pinto's not bad, actually. Ford Pinto, I'm sorry. That is crap. Um, 
But if I was to do that, which I'm not going to, I would definitely do it with Apple where I get the Apple Care because I'm a jackass and I drop things. So at least you're getting something for what is effectively interest, right? Yeah, I think I mean, my my so for me it's not so much the Apple Care, it's the fact that in practice I do end up getting a new phone every year. So so for me it's in practice I break at least a phone a year. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Very <weird>. good. <laughs> There's a reason I'm on my Nexus 5 and not the HTC one. I'm just throwing it out there. I would like to get the audience's take and I also wonder uh if uh, we're going to see something similar. Now, I think you could also go with the carrier route and the carriers have like some Android phones there too, but I don't know. I still end up I'm not so sure. Not so sure about it. I'd like to hear what the audience thinks. See what their take is. Coderadio.reddit.com would be a pretty good place. Are you going to – so are you going to get the new phone, Mike? Are you going to pick it up? No, but my wife is. Oh, really? It's not interesting you. Why? Because you're sticking with Android for a bit? Yeah, I've been torturing myself. I've had a Moto X – what do they call it? Pure Play. First of all, guys, too many names for the same product. Do you know this one phone has Play, Style, Pure, and they're all the same thing? Like it depends on just where you live. Well, and like, oh, really? I thought like one. Okay, yeah, because then there's the Max, and Max does mean more Max battery. Is different. Yeah, Max yeah. is a different device. Um, I had one with a great mahogany finish that I was going to get. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. The Moto X custom designer thing is like yeah. the coolest thing ever. But I keep I keep putting it in the car, and they're like, "Hey, come on, we'll finance it, or you could buy it out. It'll be great." And then I keep taking it back out. Um, Part of me wants to wait for the Nexus 5, or the Nexus uh, <coughs> 5 two. Yeah, you know when M launches, a little bit after that, they're going to have a Nexus with a USB-C connector and probably a fingerprint reader. One of my big complaints about the Nexus 5 is it takes way too long to charge it. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, I think one of the mandatory requirements of M is USB-C, or I'm not exactly how sure that how that works because... I think it's a Google, to be Google Play certified, you have to have C. Yeah, so that would mean that the, 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 the Nexus itself doesn't necessarily qualify so they're gonna have to update it soon yeah i feel like i may just wait for that although the moto x i mean that's a great phone they're really turning out some good stuff but chris let's talk about the most important development release this week oh really what's that because this is our apple segment the apple tv tv os you think so really i'm not sure i follow who doesn't want to browse Pinterest on a 50-inch 1080p TV? You know, the only way I could see the Apple TV uh, taking off is if uh, if the networks make apps for it that, that distributes content, and then people could get it without having to have uh, cable All TV. Right, can, I, can I devil's advocate it, though? Sure. Isn't this what the Steam machine should have been? Isn't this going to basically be the you know my first console for your kids? Because of the uh, App Store? Yeah, right? All, all their familiar names, th- things that people our age just don't care about. Yeah, I think the Steam P- machine is targeted at PC gamers. And there's a lot of, I mean, see, the thing is, there's a lot of people playing on Steam games. Steam can target just Steam players. And, like, Steam user base right, is, like, I'm something ridiculous. About, like, what are the things I have on Steam? I have Rogue Legacy. Um, I keep wanting to buy Shovel Knight and don't. Super Meat Boy. All stuff that could almost certainly run on the Apple TV. But you know, very little technical problem. See, just online in the last 48 hours, they had 10 million peak. Just online. That's just online. So, uh, I mean, Steam is a huge user base, and I think it's much more than that. I think it's, I think it's like one of the largest uh-huh. user base. I think it's bigger I mean, than Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. 
So they mm-hmm. just could sell to them, really. I do follow what you're saying, though. I mean, yeah. what this does, I think this does decimate a lot of devices, like the Ouya type devices, or uh, I think I'm it's. Sorry. Def- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Ouya did that to itself. Well, you it know what I mean, like that category. Right. That category. Yeah. What about what? Do, what about the Roku? What does this do to the Roku? Well, it's interesting, right? Because at 150 dollars, it's actually fairly pricey for its category. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The only thing I would add, just getting back to the, the whole gaming thing, you know, as someone who's, who's been involved in game projects and has been interested in games, it is a lot easier to think about, you know, we call it TVOS, but don't call it iOS, right? Mm. Working on a platform that I know. Don't you think it's kind of weak that they, do, they dropped WebView, though? So, like, any, no app, even in the app itself, can render, like, a web page. It's, like, that's pretty limiting. because that, I think it's necessary, though, right? Because, yeah. They want to create a curated experience, and I think once you have a web view on a TV, it's going to lead to bad places, in their opinion. There's no way the series stuff's going to work that well. I'm just super skeptical. You think this? I mean, gosh. I guess the one good thing about Siri is that can be updated continuously in the background. You know, I, I have the older Apple TV, and I love it. I can't imagine not liking this one. Though I, I would be hard pressed to shell out 150 bucks when the one I have works just fine. You know, the, the A8 processor might make Plex really scream. Like if Plex was right, on if this, if I was a Plex guy, I like if if um you know if you're just getting into Plex and you want to use an Apple TV or Roku, this is a great setup. But will they let you have a Plex app? Well, they. I mean, isn't there going to be a TV, TV OS beta or uh, SDK? Uh, didn't they say something about releasing an SDK beta some, soon? Right, but uh, these, all these apps have to go through approval. I know, but the Plex, the Plex guys tweeted that they're eagerly awaiting the SDK, so they're going to oh. give it a go. All right. You know, I would be awfully tempted for family members and whatnot that because uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with Plex, uh, you can you can there are apps for Plex, but there's also just ways to share media libraries. It's a really great way to give family who don't really need much just to give them access to your Plex library in a totally legal, non piratey way. Yeah, there you go. So, okay. All right. So before we get on, before we get on with, uh, with real news that actually people have written in about, uh, I want to mention our friends over at DigitalOcean because I think this is something that probably people listening could take advantage of right now. Mike turned me on to this because he takes advantage of it for the back-end services. And then I realized, shoot, we could use this for Jupiter Broadcasting. One of the first things I did was I sort of de-Googled a lot of my stuff. I've moved my uh, calendar and contacts over to CalDev and CardDev on a known cloud instance running on DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is cloud instances on demand that you can spin up in less than 55 seconds. And they're really dedicated to offering an intuitive and easy way to do this. So, you know, you're probably going to get a system up in less than 55 seconds when you want to create one. And you can get for $5 a month, 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. It's nice, too, because DigitalOcean is all over the world. So you can, A, have some geodiversity if you want, spread things out for redundancy purposes or for your audience. You can target them appropriately. They've got data center locations in New York. They've got them in San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and a great one in Germany. Their interface is super simple and intuitive. I really, really love it. It's the best out there. It's better than anything I've ever worked with. And power users can replicate that interface with just an elegant API. It's really straightforward. And they have a bunch of really great apps written all around that already. If you use our promo code, Coder Digital, you get a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig for two months for free. So check out the project section over in the community page. And you can see some apps that have been written around uh, the DigitalOcean API that you can just go grab and take advantage of. A lot of these also are already like on GitHub, so you could fork them if you wanted to. ServerPilot, the best way to run PHP and WordPress sites. On DigitalOcean. That's interesting. Container Ship Cloud, a simple, scalable, containerized hosting platform 
migrate between hosting providers with a single click. Oh, another thing that's really cool about DigitalOcean, which can be really great for scaling, is they have hourly pricing options available. This is really cool. Cloud 66 is a great one. Some uh, the API version 2 client ri- written in PHP, so you could just t- oh that's very that's going to save you a ton of time if you want one of those classic PHP apps that Mike loves. So go over to digitalocean.com and use the promo code coder digital. That'll give you a $10 credit. You can try that $5 rig for free. digitalocean.com and a big thanks digitalocean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Also, a big thank you uh, to the Housing Authority who manages to schedule a lawnmower to show up the exact time that Coda Radio starts and the lawnmower will be done the exact time Coda Radio ends. Now, for those of you who have been hearing it from the beginning, you would think that behind me there must be a pretty large piece of land that he's mowing. I kid you not, it is, it is two 8x8 eight eight stretches of land. It is, oh, this, is the, this is the townhouse? Yeah, yeah. And oh, see, yeah. what we have going on here is, and I just as somebody who's worked in the business for a while... I am able to spot what I call a contractor who is milking the client. Yeah, you hear that? I, I, if I went out there and took a picture of what he is mowing right now, you would not believe that is the area he is mowing. Yeah. Chris, Chris. Yeah. So, I, so it's, they're, they're real Nazis about grass around here. So they have them come out twice a week, twice a week, to mow, a piece of pat, to mow two patches of, of, of lawn behind four or five houses here. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't, I just, I just, I don't, I don't want to just assume what that contractor is doing. But honestly, I believe that would be a five minute job for me. I, I believe maybe I should just go out there and mow it. And then it'll just be so mowed already. They won't need to mow it. No, you know what? They're milking it. They'll still mow it. Anyways, we should move on. I'm just getting upset, but it just bothers me quite a bit. Okay. So we, uh, let's move on with the news because we're not here to talk about how these contractors are milking the housing authority where the studio is. Let's instead talk about the A9X based iPad Pro. Mike, I didn't think they were going to ship this product so soon. It starts at $800. It has a 12.9 inch screen. The resolution of that screen is 2732 by 2048. Uh, it's got the 64 bit A9 processor. They say it's a machine. It's a monster. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I haven't got my hands on it yet, but it does look like a pretty impressive upgrade from the standard iPad here. And I like the quad speakers. That sounds like a pretty good system. With its scale, with the way you use it, iPad has always been uniquely immersive. To amplify this, to put it on a much larger scale, we designed iPad Pro. It begins with a 12.9-inch retina display. Okay, so uh, yeah, an improved touch sensors and, and higher resolution accuracy there. Uh, it's got 10-hour battery life. Now, what do you think, Mike? Is, is this just a bigger iPad, or does this actually change the game? Because uh, Nick's a lot in our subreddit was wondering, is anyone else seeing the iPad Pro as a future dev machine? I might be the only one in the sub hoping for this, but really, I want IDEs on the iPad Pro. I'd love to replace my MacBook laptop with an iPad Pro. Now, before you go crazy, you cannot deny that for over 170 weeks, one of the reoccurring themes that comes up between you and I and our audience constantly is that none of us can find the quote-unquote perfect laptop. None of us are quite happy with the quote-unquote laptops that are out there, and we keep waiting for something a little different. Is this possibly it? Oh. It's okay. <laughs> not yet, at least, right? Um, but it has a know, smart I, adapter, and it has a pencil because calling it a pen would have hold been on, just save too- on to that. Hold on, hold on. But get back to it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Okay, we'll just get there in a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see it. 
Um, having more horsepower, having more multiprocessing, and having a keyboard and a pencil doesn't change things enough, does it? Because it isn't, isn't it the fundamental problem iOS? Isn't the fundamental issue there that uh, yeah. iOS makes it hard to sh- – like, so just like to move data between applications, you have to use either the, the built-in sharing mechanism or maybe it fits on the clipboard. Like there's not a, there's not a shared file system. The best you get is iCloud Drive, which means you're pu- pushing up and pulling down constantly. This is, it's just, it seems like the problem is uh, when you we need to do professional-grade work, a lot of times it's data entry and it's moving data or objects between one application and another, and the operating system just isn't fundamentally set, set up for it. Or is it something else? No, I think that's exactly it. Um, now, I don't think there's a, you know, any kind of like technical limitation other than those imposed by Apple, right? So, for instance, you should... There's a theoretical future where all this stuff works, right? This is definitely an iPad. Uh, I mean, this is the Surface Pro competitor, right? This oh. is so. This seems like this almost validates the Surface Pro a bit, don't you think? Because I mean, for, for really, so here's what: if you want, if you want an iPad Pro with LTE, which does I mean, make it, might, the, which might makes, validate it, but it's gotta hurt. <laughs> It makes the but the iPad Pro with LTE gives the iPad GPS. It makes it a much more capable tablet. But to get that minimum, you're buying the 128 gigabyte model, and then you're going to get a keyboard and a pencil for this thing. You're looking at thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars for an iPad Pro fully decked out. That's a laptop. Yeah, I mean, to to get a, a model of this that's actually worth having, you're you're looking at like what what is that new MacBook like nine hundred bucks, thousand mm-hmm. bucks? You're basically there. So it definitely is for people that would be using this in a professional setting. I think, like doctors' offices, maybe would that be? Could you see it? Could you see it for some? some I mean, it seems like yeah, maybe in certain professions, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the obvious stuff, artists, I I think it could be a really interesting device in corporate America, but it's still a little pricey. Um, Here's another interesting thing about it. Uh, The iPad Pro features an improved storage controller. I don't know all of that, but they say the A96 chip is capable of processing data so quickly it demanded new memory architecture. (laughs) I love the way they write this stuff. Uh, I I guess, in other words, uh, it's like PCI Express or something, but they don't really quite say. But I guess there's a new storage architecture, so that's something else that's going to have very – it's going to have faster I.O. on the iPad Pro. Um, All right. you want to talk about the pencil just for a second? Just because it's – So before we get into the pencil, right? Okay. It's got to hurt. I mean, to be Microsoft watching this. Oh, you think so? Why, and and remember, they're up on stage demoing Office on the iPad Pro. Yeah, but watching the press, right, like fawn over Apple this week or these last couple of days, it's, it's got to hurt. Um, can, I, can I be kind of uh, a little, little uh, unusual here? Okay. I actually think this is a worse version of the Surface. Yeah, a weaker, watered-down version. Right. But, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think what sells the Surface is its complexity. There's a difference between simplicity and, and limit, right? Um, so you could look at it the other way, which is kind of how I'm looking at it. The fact that it's kind of limited in what it already has could be an opportunity for third-party developers to you know, make complex productivity apps that are not for consumers but for professionals. But here's the problem. You're still going to be bumping against iOS. You know, you made a great point about the file system, right? You're going to be bumping against in, in inter-app communications, right? If you have a suite of apps, you'll have to do your own crazy little system. 
Um, though it is better on iOS 9, I'll give them that. You are still limited by an operating system that is conceptually designed to be a bunch of silos on a grid, right? Like independent silos that have very, very little sense of interop or sense of, you know, this is a system, right? Everything's its own little world. But So is there opportunity? Sure. I, I would say there's a lot of opportunity, but Apple is, go- if Apple wants us to be really what the Surface Pro could have been, mm-hmm. they're going to need to come to terms with, we have to, we have to just loosen the reins a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to let developers try things, and if the things are bad, the market will say they're bad, and they'll fail. I mean, that's how that works. Yeah, I and, I don't know if I'm ready to say they have a bad strategy yet because I think a lot of people have made those predictions when new Apple products are launched, and then you know I think this is a fundamentally different product for iOS. This is not selling it to you know Angela or Lara and telling them you know go you know, use it as a personal device. This is selling to corporations. This is selling, this is IBM, right? Which they have a strategic yeah. partnership yeah. with IBM. Yeah. Yep. So you're going to, you're not going to be able to, you're not doing little apps on this device, I guess is what I'm saying. So you're, you're always going to be doing something complex, something large. You know, your development cycle is not going to be six months. Your development cycle might be two years, right? So you can't have that uncertainty of will Apple just swing the ban hammer on you when you submit it. I think they need to somehow signal that you know professional applications, productivity applications will be given a little more leeway than they already have. Yeah, I That's agree. They me. do need to they do need to signal to the market that you know uh, companies can can invest and not get burned, but there is a line they're going to have to walk there. I find it fascinating. So here's here's what struck me as the Tim Cook said when they were talking when he introduced the iPad. He said, we still firmly believe this is the future of computing. So this iPad Pro is a bigger deal, I think, than we're giving it credit right now. I think it's... No, I think this is a huge deal. I, I think, think in some ways it's, it's like a first-gen product. In that it is literally a first-gen product. Well, but I mean, no, I mean, when you think, like, I think a lot of people, when they look at it, oh, it's just a bigger, evolved, larger iPad. But I think in some ways for Apple, this is the first-gen of the product that's going to replace the Mac. This is the actual product that's going to, not the iPad, not the iPad mini, not the iPhone. I think this iPad is going to be what the iPhone and the watch, and it's going to be, you know, this is going to be the main PC. They're just not there yet. And I think what they've decided is they're going to keep working on it until they get there. You know, one of my, my first reactions was, because I actually did watch the keynote, I had wished they didn't call it iPad. Because I don't think that's what it is. I think it's going to end up having more in common with the new MacBook or a MacBook Air at in two to three years than it does with the current iPads. Um, because I'm, I'm just thinking about, like, as a developer, as someone who might want to, you know, write software to sell to people, right? I'm not... This is a totally different device than the iPad. Um, you know, than the Nexus 7, than the Nexus 9, than the Nexus 10, right? This is something... The person buying it is a different person than the person buying those. I agree. I think it's... I mean, I think... So that, I think this, the person buying the iPad is the person that's probably interested in the pencil, uh, potentially, the graphic artist. So I want to play just a second of this one since Go we're ahead. doing these. And then we'll talk about the pencil and how I think maybe that's the target audience. Touch, of course, is the primary method of interaction with iPad. To enhance what's possible with multi-touch and to allow for a new level of precision with iPad Pro... 
we've designed Apple Pencil. This began by re-engineering the touch subsystem of the display to measure both finger and stylus input on the same plane with optimal accuracy. When you're using the pencil, the system scans twice as often, allowing iPad Pro to capture more points in a single stroke. Highly responsive sensors built into the tip of Apple Pencil work with the iPad Pro display to detect position, force and tilt. Hence the pencil part. With force data, you can press lightly to get a thin stroke or press harder to get a darker, bolder stroke. Signals emitted from two locations in the tip calculate the angle and orientation to produce broad or shaded strokes. Its unique tip signature allows it to be used simultaneously with your finger. And with incredibly low latency, it has a responsiveness that feels like a true writing or drawing instrument. So they call it pencil because you can use the tip and it fades and stuff like that. So it's $100, right? It's a $100 accessory that goes with this iPad Pro. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking when my, when my mom was in graphic arts a lot and she was going into a company... She was always – in fact, I actually worked in the IT department. I was a contractor, just sort of ended up being a contractor for a company she worked at. And I was in the IT department when, when she came in as an employee and they had to order her Mac. And it was a Power Mac back then, a G5 Power Mac. And they were godsmacked at how much money we were spending on this employee. Nobody gets a computer this expensive because she had to have a huge freaking flat screen, flat screen Sony Triniton, Triniton monitor. Uh, she had to have a big G5 Power Mac with lots of disks because these Photoshop and Illustrator files are big. And she had to have a backup hard drive to back it all up. And she had to have a DVD burner. And she needed this and that. And she needed enough RAM. And she needed a certain kind of trackball to do the drawing on the computer. And, you know, this was the most, one of the most, and it always it was like one of the most expensive computers. So this, in, 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 in that retrospect, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal if this was like, maybe this supplements a graphic artist's laptop or something like that, where they can do drawing on this. And it also does their email and things like that. That I can kind of get. Or um, somebody who's working with drawings or diagrams or a medical diagram where you need to circle on something. That I can kind of get. It, to me, though, the part that I don't get is how Samsung isn't going to swoop in at $600 and $500 and do the same exact thing. I mean, yeah, it's going to take them a little while to get the, the sensor right, but they've already, got no, they've already got that down in a lot of their products, so they can, they can easily expand upon that. It'll just take them a little while to get it. It's probably as great as that if that's really as good as they say it is. And then they combine that with a decent tablet, a decent keyboard, and a docking system and make it trouble-free, and you've got this. Now, it's going to take them a couple iterations to do that, but I don't see how uh, Apple isn't just going to get the bottom eaten out of the market once Android manufacturers really lock that down, which seems it's not going to take them that long. This doesn't seem like a product that's going to keep its market for very long to me because a lot of times artists are, honestly, they're starving artists, and they don't have the money to spend on This is, you know, like, there's this, this is going to work for those IBM deals still and, and those bigger corporations, but it seems like Android eventually eat the bottom out of this. They already have a pretty good position to do it. I don't know. I mean, when you look at this mic, does it inspire you for anything you could create application-wise for it that maybe would actually sell? I mean, people still sometimes make money on the App Store. <sighs> yeah, I don't... There's a lot of software that needs to be written for this pencil and this new iPad because there's not right. much out there right now. 
that's the thing, right? There's just such a dearth of software for this that it is going to be a good opportunity. Um, I actually would disagree. I don't think Samsung's going to be able to swoop right in. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on over there, but the last few releases have not really, at least for me, done it for me. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty disappointed in my S6. Right. Um, I was I mean, so God, jazzed God up for that, too. God forbid you put your stylus in backwards. Just, just throw that, it out. That is actually kind of astounding, isn't it? Right. I mean, I, I don't... I shouldn't say this because we'll get hate mail, but I kind of feel like Samsung's time in the sun might be over a little bit. Um, which is kind of terrible because there's no one else really stepping to the plate for Android, right? Like Moto Stick is, you know, we've got pure Google and we've got special Moto so, stuff. Uh, the Android. chat room is linking me to this Wacom tablet on Amazon. Alex Voda linked this to, to me. It's the Wacom version that runs uh, Windows 8. 13.3 inch display, Core i7, 3.2 gigahertz, 256 gigabyte flash, 8 gigabytes of memory, 3.74 pounds. And it is, do you have a guess how much it is? For, uh, 200 two, bucks. For 250, for 200, no, for 256 gigabytes of storage. So that's going to cost you a little something. I don't know, tell me. Okay, the grand total for 256 gigabytes of storage is $2,500. <laughs> $2,500. Uh, and I bet yeah. I don't know I don't know how that pencil uh, holds up or that pen. I mean, who knows? Like you know. So that's the thing, right? If it's as good as those devices, they could really eat Wacom's lunch. But I, st- I still don't think that that's the target. I really think it's the general computing market eventually. Yeah, I think so. I think that what the pencil is, it's an, and so is the keyboard, is another option for input. Now it's giving the iPad Pro another means of input besides just touch and voice. And uh, that's not bad. And, you know, the other thing is, is that smart port, whatever the hell that thing is, it, they just generically said it's used to transfer data. So it, maybe you could hook it up to all kinds of things, maybe a printer. I know, you know, I mean, I know wireless printing is a big thing, but I, there's, a, there's just a lot. There's, or, or a projector system. I, I guess the lightning port can do this. It's just there's a lot of areas maybe they could go with this to make it more friendly to, to the general market. And they might. You never know. I was surprised they launched it as early as they did. I figured it wouldn't come till October. And, you know, the other thing to legitimately say, um, so let me just hear, yeah, so the, if you want the 120 gigabyte model with LTE, it's 1,079. That's oh, before tax. Yeah, and then that's not. before keyboard or pencil. Uh, the other thing to legitimately say is Apple does seem to be really cracking out some amazing processors. Say what else you mind about these products and about iOS and its limitations. The processors that they are developing, uh, like the A9X and stuff, are pretty incredible. And uh, that's really that's really an area that they doubled down on early on that seems to be paying dividends. All right, Mr. Dominic, we got some great feedback to get to. So let me take a moment and mention our friends at Linux Academy. I love Linux Academy. It's been such a great way for me to go in and just check in from time to time. But really what I've been hearing a lot about are people going in there and they're going and getting their certifications. You hear me? You'll see me retweeting them from time to time. And if you follow Linux Academy on Twitter, you'll see them all the time. Linux Academy is awesome. It's a great way to go learn about the things around Linux and open source and that entire Higher technology stack. You can get started by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. linuxacademy.com slash coders with an S at the end of it. And that'll get you the Coder Radio discount and support this show. And checking that URL out also lets them know that you heard about it here. Even if you don't decide to get the membership, I still would like you to go there and check them out, support the show, and maybe read a little about it and put it in the back of your head because there might be an opportunity where you might want to take advantage of Linux Academy. 
They have step-by-step video courses for pretty much the entire technology stack that really makes people money these days on the back end. And they have downloadable comprehensive guides that you can take with you, which I think are phenomenal. That comes with your own server. They'll spin it up as the courseware demands it. They have over 1,800 self-paced video courses. You can get the experience as you need and learn in their practice lab servers. And that courseware, you automatically select the distro. So if you've been deploying on Ubuntu or CentOS, you choose that or whatever it is. And it automatically adjusts all the courseware and the lab servers. And you get SSH logins. You can do that. They have scenario-based lab which are super slick to help you really feel like you've got hands-on experience with that. That includes like the AWS stuff as well. They'll spin that up on demand as you need it. I like their nuggets too, so you can do a deep dive into a single topic and just spend like two minutes to about an hour on it and really learn like maybe how to use rsync or IP tables a hell of a lot better or how to actually get something things backed up with TAR. That's actually one of those things that's good to know and then how to restore, you know, those kinds of things. That's what the nuggets are. And of course, they have instructor help. You'll, be, you'll have the ability to ask instructors about anything course-related. And you know what else? They're growing, and they're looking to hire. You can find out more by emailing career at linuxacademy.com. They're looking for folks with big data uh, skills, uh, DevOps professionals. They're looking for Linux and C++ development, Bash, Perl, Python instructors. Also, they're looking for certified professionals to help increase their practice exam database, and they're going to pay per question. You can find out more by emailing career at linuxacademy.com. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Just take a look around and see if it might line up with what you want. And you get that Coda Radio discount so you can jump in for a bit with low risk because you're getting our discount. Engage with the community. It's stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. And you can see the different content they have available around the different platforms. I love it because for me, it takes something like, oh, man, I've got to learn this thing. And this is a big thing that, you know, I could go Google various sources. I could go try to watch a couple of different horrible YouTube videos. Like, There's all these different options I have. And none of them are really necessarily like – a really concrete roadmap. But that's what Linux Academy gives me. Not only does it give me a roadmap and a step-by-step, and this is what I'm going to be doing, this is how long each section is going to be taking, but it tells me entirety. If you want to learn Python, it's going to take you six hours. Well, man, is that a brilliant concept that I can wrap my head around. Before learning Python is this massive nebulous thing, but now, well, okay, whatever, regardless of whatever they walk me through, practically speaking, it's six hours. That's incredible. It's really energizing, too, once you, get, once you can just wrap it up like that. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go check them out. Get the Coder Radio discount and support this show. And remember, if you want to get a gerb or write some practice exams, career at LinuxAcademy.com. Big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, we got some emails to get to right here. This first one is not an email at all, in fact. Uh, it uh, is uh, from M.M. Quirk, and it is a subreddit post. And he says, options for moonlighting. Hi, folks. So... I recently bought a house, and I'm the only source of income. I crunched the number several times in a spreadsheet to make sure I should manage it, and I could manage it. Even though I can, I'd like some extra income money, preferably with programming, since that's what I'm good at. If I could earn an average of extra 50 to 100 a week, I'd be happy. I tutored in the past, which isn't a great gig when you use services like Wazent, which uh, take a 40% cut, or Wazent, I'm not quite sure, W-Y-Z-A-N-T. It takes a 40% cut. I've looked at contracting sites like Guru, Freelance, uh, Upwork, but the jobs are vague and the bidding wars are intimidating. I'm thinking of keeping it local and offering shops and restaurants in my area web design and programming services. Does anyone have any thoughts or ideas? Mr. Dominic, do you have anywhere you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, those online marketplaces are uh, can be a little tough. Um, you know, keeping it local is probably what I would always suggest. It's it, it can be a doggy dog market out there, though. I want to say um, I would say what works. I would say what probably is a good a strategy, and it, it's going to be sort of specific. So take my advice and adapt it to your area and do a little research. You might maybe go through the Better Business Bureau. But what I have done slight investigations into, and I talked about it months ago on the show. 
uh, about four or five months ago was uh, I, I attended two different business referral groups, one here in my local town and one up in a town north of the next couple of towns up north of me, just to get a sense of how these people were seeking technology out and getting help. And there was in each group somebody who was like the web dev person. And yeah. essentially what the, what the people do in this business referral group is they refer business to the other people in that group. And they actually track who refers what. They take it very seriously. You can look in to see if there's something like that in your area. Don't forget there's also things like Craigslist and whatnot as well. That's another way to go. If you can get in somewhere like that, you'll have a much better shot. It's always going to be referrals. That's a great way to go. People that are in business that, hey, do you need anything? No, but you know – no, I don't need anything. OK, do you know anybody who might need a computer person? Well, you know my buddy who runs the dentist office might need somebody. And then you call them up. Hey, I talked to so-and-so. They said you were looking for some computer help. Could I come in and talk to somebody about that? That's something I'm interested in talking to you about. That would probably work or development help or whatever it is. What, any other thoughts, Mr. Dominic? Really, it's you're going to have to network. Um, yeah, it, it's it's tough out there. All right, Alex Vodka says the uh, he says uh, what will Apple do about pointer events and touch events now that they have a digitizer? Will they switch to pointer events? Oh, you know the yeah. other thing that is interesting too is they have also the ability now to turn the keyboard into a like a like a trackpad pointer, which uh, was in early early betas and then kind of went away. I'm not exactly sure how they're pulling that off exactly. It's pretty neat. All right, Mr. Dominic. Uh, so uh, then uh, you wrote to the, to the subreddit, uh, hey, guys, Buccaneer have a little overflow design work, and our usual developer is busy, so we'd like to try out someone new for some small-scale overflow work. In particular, we have a small website concept design project that I'd like to get done for next week. What we are looking at is for someone who can make a design in Photoshop and then export that to a click-through demo for now. If you're interested and have some availability, please email michael at buccaneertech.com with samples uh, and also your rates. Any uh, bites yet, Mr. Dominic? Uh, a couple. No, we actually ended up getting it done internally <laughs> just yeah. because we didn't get any responses fast. Well, I wanted but to put in the show so maybe in the future. Just yeah, there's always, there's always mm-hmm. you know, that occasional logo that comes up. Or, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, well, did you have any other takeaways from uh, the sh- uh, last week's Hoopla? I know we have, uh, we have another show coming up that we can discuss more in, but did you have any takeaways? By the way, we should mention that we're recording two episodes today. I should have mentioned this earlier. And uh, we're releasing, I don't know, probably this one later in the week. Do you think that makes sense? We'll release it like Friday, make a Friday edition of Coder Yeah, Radio? I think that makes sense, a special yeah. edition. Too bad, I don't, the... too bad I didn't grab a beer. That would be great. The studio has been dry for weeks. Noah came into town and drank us dry. What happens is, is if you don't supply him with enough Coca-Cola, he eventually drinks through all the beer. The man refuses to drink water. Refuses. Is, is that a fact? He, he just won't do it? And then, oh, and by the way, so not uh, – oh, hmm, geez, yeah. So not in the next episode since we're recording it for a double episode this week, but in the following, so in 172, that's going to be our first Coda Radio with me on the road. And I think we might – do we have a guest for that one? No, it's one after that. Either way. I think it's after that. We have, I have to confirm that. Yeah, either way, be prepared. Be prepared. I'm going to be from the road. I, I, I think I might be still at Noah's house, but I'm not sure where I'll be exactly. Yeah, that's going to be really easy if I'm still at Noah's house. We shouldn't have any problems. Maybe I just go into a studio and do the show there. I might be what I do. But uh, all right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else you'd like to cover in episode 170 of your Coda Radio program? I think we are good. I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. And if you're on the live stream, stick around because uh, we're going to record uh, 171 coming up here in just a little bit, which uh, for those of you in the download audience, will be out later in the week for a Friday edition. So check back at Jupiter Broadcasting on Friday 
for Coder Radio 171. And don't forget, we'd love to get your emails. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and send them in. We'd love to get some great discussions going based on your feedback. It's a great thing. It's always been a great part of our show, and we want even more. So find that at the contact page or go to coderadio.reddit.com. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send people throughout the week? Um, just Buccaneer Tech. How about that? That's fine. That works. That's good. That's good. Beautiful cover girl, just like Chris. That's right, baby. All right. Also, you can follow the network at Jupiter Signal or keep up with my road trip shenanigans at Chris LAS. That's all good. That's all happening. And also check out for the road trip playlist on YouTube. I'll be doing some posts there while I'm on the road. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you right back here on Friday.